Good morning. So if you'd like to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, we're looking at the, uh, the Beatitudes. And uh, last week, Florin uh, introduced us to uh, did an introductory talk on the Beatitudes. Those of you who are here, um, I'll be testing you in a minute. I'm not joking. As to what the Beatitudes actually mean and uh, what they're all about. Anyone tell me what it, does it mean? Because um, let, let me read you, let me read you the verse we're looking at this week. It says this in verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will, will inherit the earth. What does it mean to be blessed? You're all nodding and saying, God, wasn't it, wasn't it good last week? Wasn't it good? If it was that good? Tell me, what does it mean to be blessed? Very good, yeah, excellent. Any, anything else you'd like to add? Favour, good. Florian was listening. He appreciated the sermon last week. Fantastic, yeah. God's favour. The highest level of happiness. Brilliant, good, okay. Excellent. Most of you will be saying, gosh, next week I'm going to say, what a lousy sermon Chris preached last week, because you know what? Case Andy does the same next week. Yeah, so that's what it means uh, to be blessed, the highest level of favour. Um, Beatitudes, which basically means blessed. Some have said or suggested that one way of thinking of it is, is the Beatitudes. It sort of works, but not quite, because most of how many Beatitudes are there? Any ideas? Eight. It's cheating. He's done the research. Eight. Eight Beatitudes. Not all of them are quite attitudes. Some of them are about action or your response to someone else's action uh, about being persecuted or being peacemakers. Um, so there are eight uh, Beatitudes. The one we've got uh, this week is, uh, is an interesting one. I have to admit it's more interesting than I thought it was going to be. More of a challenge than I thought it was going to be when I started uh, uh, preparing this week. It's certainly, uh, certainly quite a challenge. And uh, as, I, as, I, as I went through it, the one we've got this week is, is meek. And I thought that should be fairly straightforward. So you, uh, as good preachers do, or even bad preachers do, you, you get down, you start praying, you're thinking about it, and here we go. Oh, ah. There's more than one meaning of the word meek. Oh, why did I say I'd do that one? And um, one of the problems is it, it's, it, it didn't look as if, and I thought, I thought, oh, there are probably lots of examples of, of the word meek in the Bible. No, they're not. They're not very many at all, especially in the version I use, which is the New International Version, which is what probably most of you, majority of you probably use the New International Version. Um, it only appears four or five times, which is a lot less than I thought. I thought it was going to be lots of them. And lots of examples of, of good biblical saints. No, it doesn't use it. Oh, okay, so much for that idea. And I looked around and thought, oh, here's a problem. Every, every different verses, they keep changing the word. They don't use it all the time. Oh, whoops. I'm going to have to really start digging in deep now. Uh, and so, uh, in the old days, I used to get big, thick books out and lay them out on the desk. I've got electronic stuff now. That makes life a lot easier, but it's still hard work. Uh, and, oh no, that means looking up some Greek. Now, I am not a very good... Well, I was useless at Greek. When I had to study Greek, I was, use, I was, I was hopeless. Uh, and and I, somehow, I scraped my way through Greek at college... Uh, and gave it up at the earliest opportunity. I, I, was, no good at, I was no good at language. I was, I was hopeless. Um, 
I used to sit in the back row and hope, hope nobody noticed uh, and was never asked a question. I was never embarrassed. Or, or sometimes I'd ask a question. Um, so then they thought I'd contributed and didn't get asked anything awkward. Well, there's my confessions of college. Um, but, so I looked, I looked up the word. And um, the word in Greek means prayers. Uh, um, P-R-A-U-S. And I probably pronounced it wrong and somebody who's a linguist will say, you got that wrong. Um, but it means humble, gentle, or meek. So there's three different meanings of the word. Oh, it doesn't say timid. No, it does not say timid. It most certainly does not say timid. It says, it mean, it says humble, gentle, or meek. Some Bible, um, some uh, secular um, uh, dictionaries do say, use the word timid um, and various other phrases. But most of the... Um, all, all the scholars say is one of three, and the, the translation is either humble or gentle or meek. So there's three different words. Ooh, and that, that's quite interesting when you look at it a bit later on. And when I looked at the different versions, some versions of the Bible use the word meek twice. Some of them use it 50 times. That's really helpful. See, the problem with, with, with um, what language is this Bible written in? Any ideas? How many different languages? Yeah, broadly two. Um, what languages are they? Greek and Hebrew. But there is a little bit of Aramaic as well. So mostly two languages. Generally, Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek, and a tiny bit of Aramaic squeezed in in between. But mostly Greek, most, almost all uh, Greek and Hebrew. Um, and the problem with Greek is, is it's quite an expansive language. So one word means about three different things. And that is the problem we've got um, looking at this word uh, meek. Uh, so that's why I had a few um, interesting problems coming up with this one this morning. Uh, so, so bear with me as I, uh, I struggle and grapple with this particular, uh, uh, particular word. So I, I spend a lot of time trying to, to grapple. So there's your, there's your Greek lesson where, from a complete... Uh, someone who's completely useless at Greek this morning. So you've gone home educated, you've learned a bit of Greek this morning. How about that? And I've been preaching for a very, very long time, uh, decades, and I reckon I've probably only taught Greek about five times in all those years and all the hundreds and hundreds of sermons I've done. So you've had a you're privilege this morning. I've, I've somehow fumbled my way and taught you a little bit of Greek. Uh, and it's actually a bit useful as I take, tell you about something else a bit later on. Okay, let me... Uh, Move on. This is a picture of Mary. Ah. The problem with, the problem with um, some of the Christmas stories and some of the things we've led to believe, um, a lot of it is, well, shall we say it's a load of old rubbish? Uh, some of these Christmas carols, oh I, oh, I have a bee in my bonnet about some of these Christmas carols. Uh, my, my particular favourite at the moment is, is the one about the oxen. Who in the right mind puts an oxen which weighs the, roughly the same weight as your family car with a newborn baby. And we have this idea about Mary, who looks something like that. White skin that, well, not even those of most Scandinavian blood would look like that. Um, the Middle Eastern normally, immaculate clothes, quite why you put a crown on the head, I don't know. And we have this idea, uh, images like that, instead of... Middle Eastern, I don't know, you know, where, where did they come up with some of these ideas? Uh, and Mary is this mild-mannered, um, quite feeble-looking woman. I don't think Mary was like that at all. 
She was nothing like that. And I think Mary is, is quite an amazing woman. Um, she um, had to overcome the, uh, the shock of being, um, uh, being, being pregnant. Um, and look, look at her response. Mary is, is something else. Look at Luke, Luke chapter 1. She's, what does it say? Uh, and an angel. How would you respond if an angel turned up one day? That's pretty scary. And having overcome the shock, Luke chapter 1 and verse 38, she says this. And an angel turns up completely out of the blue and says to, um, and says, simply says to Mary, it says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. Oh, and, and um, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One will be born, the Son of God. Oh, even Mary, even Elizabeth, your relative's going to have a child in her old age. Uh, she was barren, but nothing is impossible with God. Oh, great, Son of the, the Most High, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will know. Bang! Sorry? Me? And she simply says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be as you have said. Some woman. Some woman. You want to know what meekness is? Those, um, was it how many words? Three, uh, seven words. May it be as you have said. I don't know any person on the planet that would have responded like Mary, who meekly said, may it be as you have said. An angel turns up and throws all this. Yeah, the most high, this amazing thing is going to happen. And she says, may it be as you have said. Wow. And then she goes on. She toddles off to see cousin Elizabeth. And... Um, in chapter 1, verse 46, she, she pens this song and, and, and sings this song. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant from now on. And for all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud of their inmost thoughts. Um, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abram and his descendants forever, as he has said to his father. People give you the impression there is this innocent, ignorant, um, poor woman. That is not an innocent, ignorant, poor woman. There's a highly educated, highly articulate woman who was not some little doormat. This is Mary, who is meek before God, who knows her God, who knows her scriptures, who knows him, who is submissive to God. That is meekness. This is Mary. Nor is she someone who brags. I don't see Mary having the first century equivalent of, um, of, of you know, son of God on board with one of those t-shirts. Telling the world. She humbly 
before God recognizes what God has done. There is someone who is devoted to him, um, who um, faces up to the chance of, of uh, appearing to have a, a child out of wedlock. She couldn't suddenly say to her neighbors, oh no, actually, uh, it's conceived by the Holy Spirit, you know. Not quite sure, I think it'd probably give a short shift. But she faced that on. And she raised um, almost certainly at least another seven children. At least another seven. Sorry, sorry, six other children, including Jesus. Uh, four, four boys and two girls, at least we know of. And a lot of the time, she probably had to do it on her own. We don't know when Joseph died. The Bible doesn't tell us, but it was somewhere between the age of 12 and the age of uh, Jesus with the age of 30. So there's an 18-year 18, 18 window. We don't know when, when Joseph died. And she was there and she witnessed his death. But she was committed. She was before the Lord. Okay, Mary. Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The ultimate, actually, I'll put those will come up on, on, on the screen. Paul the Apostle says, I am pleading you with by the meekness and gentleness. There's another one of those words. Of Christ. Jesus is the supreme example of meekness. He didn't force himself on anyone. He didn't come as a conquering hero, as the Jews expected, as the Messiah. Um, he came gently as a baby. He was willing. He meekly suffered the ultimate humiliation. Philippians chapter 2. He humbled himself. You want to know what meekness really is? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. See, Jesus could have come as a conquering hero. The Jews, they expected him to come and, and try to be a king of kings and lords of lords and, and deal with the Romans and anybody else who got in the way. That's not what Jesus did. He came meekly. And he came and he humbled himself upon a cross. He came as a baby in ordinary humble circumstances. He, um, he could have been strong. He could have been powerful. The... Um, uh, Satan tempted him. He put him, he put him on the top of the temple. He put him, told him, you know, you could turn these stones into bread. Gave him all sorts of temptations, the things he could do, but he chose not to. He was called to be obedient even to death. He meekly went to his own, went to his death upon a cross. All the power at his, at his disposal, but he went underwent ritual, uh, went underwent shame and humiliation. Jesus, the supreme example of meekness. So what does meekness mean for you and for me? Meekness means surrendering to God. Meekness is the opposite of ego. You know what ego stands for? Or what one writer actually decided that ego stands for? Erasing God out. Appealed to me anyhow, or it appeals to you, I don't know. Meekness is very much an attitude where a heart is. Is there an openness, a humility, a desire to surrender all our, our hopes and ambitions to God? I, um, some of you may know that uh, uh, a while ago, about 10 years ago, I had an accident and ended up with, um, with epilepsy and a brain injury and things. And uh, unfortunately, when that happens, you have to surrender your driving license. Always not much fun. It's not much fun for the rest of the family because they drive me everywhere. It's frustrating and I'm... It would have been so good if you could have these sort of self-driving cars. 
And, and one day when I get old and really can't drive anymore, by then they'll have those self-driving cars and we'll have to give it a driver's license because you can have one of those self-driving cars. It'd be great, wouldn't it? And then you think about the implications of having a self-driving car and the fact you can't control it. It controls you and you think, oh, hang on. It might be all right driving along because you know, we have cruise control and one of these two other things that take a bit of control, but it has to brake for you and steer and, oh, it doesn't seem quite as good, does it? Uh, and imagine if the, the car decides where you're going as well. Yeah, it's maybe not quite so interesting, not quite so good, is it? What about our lives? What about allowing God to take control of our lives? You're a bit nervous about having a self-controlled, self-steering, self-powered car, letting that take control. What about allowing God to take control? Do we meekly allow God to take control of our lives? Do we surrender completely to him? Do we put on? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, you know, put on uh, tender mercies, kindness, humility. Another one of those words, meekness, long-suffering. A conscious discovery. When I was preparing, I discovered that the Greeks used the term meek to describe a horse, which is why I got the picture up there. Describe a horse that's been broken in. A horse, wild stride. Horses don't naturally um, uh, automatically under control. It takes time to break a horse in. That's to be done gently and carefully and slowly. And eventually become meekly and do as they're told. An unbroken horse. You can't just jump on a horse and start riding it. Um, the consequences could be not too good, shall we say. It has to be broken. But maybe the parallels are the same. Maybe sometimes we need to be broken. And sometimes God has to, often God has to do that work in our lives to break us before we meekly conform to his word and to his will. Okay, moving on. Meekness is teachable. Receive with meekness the implanted words which is able to save your souls in James chapter 1. Especially from the word of God. The word of God means correction as well. Are we ready to receive correction from the word of God? And indeed from elsewhere. It goes against the norms of society. Society wants to, to push us and cram us into his mould. Do we want to be shaped by the word of God? To, to meekly be shaped and changed by his word? Meekness is teachable. Are we humble enough to receive correction? And changed by his word? Do we want to grow, accept advice from him? To learn and to grow? So much of a society's teaching is, be yourself. How about be the people that God wants us to be? Meekness is humble, recognising who we are, recognising we owe everything to God. It's easy to get full of our own self-importance. But what about what God wants? Meekness isn't self-seeking, it's, it's recognising our true status before God. Not putting others down. True gentleness that doesn't aggressively assert its own way. Not desire, our own desires. Yes, sometimes there's time for righteous anger. Remember Jesus in the temple. But when he overturned the temple, the, the tables. Meekness means obedience to the call of God. 
If we're teachable, then we listen to the Word of God and we seek to follow it. The Bible is full of, of characters who, who meekly, or sometimes maybe not quite so meekly, obeyed his call, who gave their lives to his obedient call. Abraham left home and was even willing to sacrifice his own son, even though in the end that didn't happen. Moses led a rebellious people. Joshua led them into the promised land. Various judges, prophets and kings. Some of the kings weren't quite so good after all. Judges, prophets, etc. In David, including David the king. New Testament, the disciples who gave their lives, well, most of them, apart from one, gave their lives. Paul the apostle were obedient to his call. What about you and me? Meekness means obedience to the call of God. Meekness is a sign of strength. One of the problems with meekness is people confuse it with the word weakness. They change the M to a W. But you know, to be meek means letting go. That's a sign of strength. It has an inner confidence on God, an inner confidence to rely upon him. That takes some doing. It means letting go, handing over to him. Are we ready to be strong? Meekness is also a work of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, fruit of the Spirit. I told you we'd need Greek again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. talks about the fruit of the Spirit that is produced in every believer, one of the which is gentleness. Some versions of the... Um, Older versions use the word meekness. And guess what? The Greek word is uh, prutes, P-R-A-U-T-E-S. The same as our original passage, but it's got a T-E before the S. In other words, because it's gentleness. It's a slightly different variation. It's just got two extra letters in it. It's the same word. It's the same root as the one we've got. Isn't that interesting? It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So we've been looking at meek and meekness and gentleness. It's part of a work, the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can produce meekness and gentleness and humility. So we don't do it on our own. God can produce that meekness in you and in me. And then there's the promise at the end. Going back to um, our passage. Blessed are the meek, for they will, will inherit the earth. Now, one of the interesting things that Jesus does is he quotes from Scripture. He quotes from the Old Testament. A lot of times he quotes from the Old Testament. And here is no exception. Because in Psalm 37, it's quite an amazing song. Because he talks about, he, he says this. He, he initially starts talking about other people. About the evil. Do not, I'll read it. Do not fret because of evil men. Be envious or be envious of those who do wrong. Um, he talks about their, um, for, they were, for like the grass they will wither, like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Be still before the Lord. Refrain from anger. Evil men will be cut off. Do read it when you go home. Read chapter 37, the Psalms. And then in verse 11, 
but the meek will inherit the land. Word for word. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. The psalm is full of contrast between the wicked and, and the meek. Normally we expect the, the, the wicked to prosper. You don't expect the meek to prosper. But here is a complete contrast. Now, what is the Old Testament largely about? Another question, just to make sure you're still listening, you're still on. Yeah, Chris. The Lord Moses, yeah. And what else? History of the Jews, yep. What God did for his people, yep. What was one of the things that God did for his people? Redeem them, yeah. And what did, he, what did he give them? What was he going to give them? The land, yeah. He was going to give them the promised land. Yep. So God was going to give them the promised land. And, um, and, and so it's about the promised land. It's about the kingdom of Israel, which at times was split, so kingdom of Israel and Judah. And so much of the Old Testament is about the kingdom of Israel, promised land. And Matthew in particular... And you're going to learn about this in a couple of a couple of times in the the um, in the Beatitudes. Talk about the kingdom of heaven, and I promise I won't steal. One of the things you've got to watch when you're doing sermons like this: you don't preach other people's sermons. Uh, I am going to be good, honest. Promise those who are preaching. Um, and so, Matthew in particular, who was Matthew writing to? Jews, yeah. Matthew was writing to a Jewish audience. Most of the other Gospels are writing to a Gentile audience. So Matthew was writing, so he, was, he had first-hand experience. He was writing predominantly to a Jewish audience, which is why he talks a lot about Matthew more than anybody else it talks about the kingdom of heaven. But in particular for this week, um, he's looking at the promise. He's using a comparison, losing the term, talking about land and using the contrast of the land. So they would be very familiar about about land and promises. Um, now, the land that the, um, the Jews have or had is actually quite small. They were promised much bigger, but they only have a small bit of land. The promised land the Jews have is not very big at all. We think, oh, it must be big. It's about the size of Wales. Yet it's quite tiny. It really is quite tiny. Um, uh, but here, Jesus is promising something much bigger. Jesus, the New Testament talks about the kingdom of heaven and it talks about the new earth. Romans chapter 8 verse 17 says, we are heirs with Christ. Um, 2 Peter 3 verse 13 uh, says this, there will be a new heaven and a new earth and as heirs with him, uh, we have an interest in an inheritance. It's mind-blowing stuff. It's incredible. Incredible promises about a new heaven, a new earth, an inheritance. So there's, there's a promise of a future, a new heaven, as co-heirs with him. And that's a future promise, that's a future promise isn't it? as well as um, blessings uh, for, for today as well. But these are future promises for, those, for the meek. This is not something that's conditional. It's something that, that we're guaranteed. Um, it, it says, uh, blessed are. It's not something that, oh, it may be possibly if, or anything, any other conditions, it's our, a promise, the promised land. Something to look forward to in the future weeks when you expand and talk about the kingdom of heaven. More excitement, eh? Um, so where are we at? 
Where are you, where am I, when it comes to meekness? How much is about self? How much is about ego? What do we want to do? I want, us to challenge, I want to challenge you, I want to challenge me, that we ask for an attitude of meekness and humility. Ask for God's Holy Spirit to respond to him and to act meekly. Ask that we may ask him to act when opportunities come to be meek. And there may be different ways for each of us. I'm not even going to suggest any ways, because for each of us they'll be different, and he'll prompt us when. As a general way of life, to act meekly. And when God gives us and grants us success, that we give him the glory. And there'll be times when things go wrong. Because life isn't easy. Life at times is tough. Life is difficult. Uh, this week I um, was listening to something on... I'm not a great social media reader. Uh, not great on social media, very occasionally. I, I jump in that very briefly. Um, but I did listen to one thing that a friend of mine was doing. His daughter has cancer and uh, it's, it's come back again with a vengeance. And, but there he was making a point, just saying, you know, God's in control. God's still there. God is still faithful. And he's like, praise God, you know. God is still faithful. And sometimes we're going to have those, those big hits, those tough hits. And let's remember, part of being meek is recognizing, hey, however hard it is, that God is still faithful. And God is still going to bless us. And blessings is not what those who teach prosperity, all the prosperity rubbish, that you're going to be healthy and wealthy and happy all the time. Part of being meek is trusting him when you get those big hits. And those hits are not quite as big. It's trusting him in the tough times. When you think, how am I going to cope with this? How am I going to get through? That's what being meek is. It's knowing that God is in control and God's going to carry us through. As well as in the good times as well, because sometimes the good times, it's harder to be meek. Sometimes in the good times we think, I've got this thrust. I've got it sorted. It's easy. How are we trusting God? Let's pray, shall we? Father God, you're an awesome God. We can read your word and see what you've done and what you've achieved. And Lord, we thank you that Jesus went meekly to the cross and gave of his life just sacrificially so that we may have life. Lord, help us to be obedient servants as Mary was obedient and as others down through the centuries have been obedient. Lord, forgive us when we our own ego gets in the way when we think we can do it. Lord, some of us, life is easy. And we think we can, we've got life sorted. And we carry on our own way. And think we can, we've got all the answers. Lord, maybe we need break, breaking. We need breaking in so that we can be meek, just like that horse. Lord, for others of us, 
life is tough. Maybe we're even going through those unimaginable heartaches, those real pains, those hurts. Lord, may we know your blessings. May we know those eternal blessings. May we know your comfort and your strength. May we know that we can trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.